Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. The title of the message is The Righteousness of God. And God is capitalized, and I think we'll, ex- we'll explain that in a little bit. If you've been with us, you know, ever since chapter 1, verse 18, all the way up through to where we are now, chapter 3, verse 20 was the last verse we read. It's been brutal. We have all been thrown under the bus. And the sign on the side of the bus says God's righteous judgment. That means He judges rightly. So when He throws us under the bus, we deserve it. God is right. He's righteous. Or God's righteous wrath. That's what it says on this bus. He is right to condemn us because we are sinners to the core. If this is your first visit here this morning, welcome to Calvary Chapel. Sinner. Join the rest of us. We are all, right currently in chapter 3, verse 20, we are on death row. The theme of this whole book is the righteousness of God revealed you find that in chapter 1. Matter of fact, turn there with me. Romans chapter 1. We're going to do just a little bit of backtracking to get you uh, where we are. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul, this is, this is like the key verse, 16 and 17. This explains the whole book. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel that is good news. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. That means God can save For everyone who believes. God can save anyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Chapter 1 verse 16 is really good news. God is able to save anyone and everyone who believes. Verse 17. For in it, that's the gospel. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God, that's the theme of the book, is revealed He's unveiled his righteousness throughout this book. For in it the, the gospel, uh, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, not works to works, faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Chapter one, verse sixteen and seventeen, Paul says basically, I have really good news. But first, dun dun dun. Verse 18. But first, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Paul says, before I can fully reveal the righteousness of God, first I have to reveal to you your unrighteousness. I have to show you how unrighteous you are. That's from chapter 1, verse 18, all the way to where we left off. Does anybody want me to reteach it? I think we're good. Paul has been very thorough showing us that we are sinners. It's like we all showed up to court one day to watch Paul, the prosecuting attorney. He's really good at what he does. We showed up to see him, to watch him tear into a really wicked criminal. To argue, for instance, against a child predator, a murderer, an adulterer. It's like we show up into the courtroom and there's two banners hanging over two halls. Over, in one banner it says, 
sin. And the hallway leads to hell. Leads to the death chamber. Over the other hallway, there's a banner that says, perfect. And the hallway leads to heaven. We show up to court and we're ecstatic to see Paul lay into this immoral guy. Chapter 1, he just takes him down. You look through the list and it is just really wretched, vile behavior in chapter 1. And we're thrilled to see the immoral guy have to make the perp walk to the banner under sin. He deserves it. But then suddenly, chapter 2, verse 1, Paul whirls around and points, starts pointing at us. He says, oh, I see. You do understand the difference between right and wrong. Well, guess what? That proves that you are accountable and you deserve death. Suddenly he's pointing around and we discover we are guilty. We have to take the perp walk to the banner sin. He condemns that morally superior person, makes him walk. Before we know it, we find all of ourselves under the bus. God's righteous judgment. It's mowing us down. The guy without the written law, even the guy on the island, he's condemned, Paul says, by his conscience. Perp walk to the banner of sin that leads to death, destruction. On Thursday, this last Thursday, we covered chapter 3, the, the few, first few verses. Paul even makes the other lawyer, the, the loophole finder, he makes him take the perp walk. And this is crazy. If you go through chapter 1, 2, and 3, and you look at the, the words that Paul uses from perspective, he begins by saying, them. And then he says, you. And then he says, us, our. Then if you look at like verse 7 of chapter 3, he says, my. So the picture is that Paul himself says, okay, I think I've done a decent job here of condemning everyone. And he himself takes the perp walk. So that all of humanity is under this banner that says, sin. Paul is silent and he lets God speak. He starts in verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. Paul quotes scripture. So what he's doing is letting God speak for himself. He's using God's own word, God's own word to let God speak for himself on the issue of your righteousness or your sin, on whether or not you deserve to get into his heaven. And it's like God stands from behind the gavel. And he looks around the courtroom and says, chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written. You guys read all the none words. Whenever I pause, you read the word. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is who understands. There is who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is who does good. No. Do you see the trend here? God stands up from the gavel and looks at each one of us and says, you? No. Not you. Not you. Not a single one. 
Verse 13 to 18 is like God's CAT scan. It's like he's looking inside us. We know that he can read our thoughts from head to toe. Verses 13 to 18, the, the analysis from the doctor would be, you all are eat up with sin. Verse 13. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. God looks around the courtroom, around humanity, around this room, and says, none, not even one. It's like God says to us, every single one of you, if I let you into my heaven, you'll ruin it. It's perfect. If I let you into my heaven the way you are, you would ruin it. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, look at this, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. That's where we left off. All of us, every mouth stopped. No one saying, but I, but she, not a word. Mouth shut, head hung, no defense, absolutely guilty. It's like God says, silence in the courtroom. We're guilty. Verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Here's the message. No one gets into God's heaven by following the rules because you can't. God looks around at each one of us today and says, you've proven it already. Over and over again, you've proven you cannot follow the rules. And that brings us to verse 21. Perhaps the most glorious segue in all of the Bible. Y'all, this is like holy ground that we're on right here. Verse 21, these two words change everything. But now. Look. You deserve death. Hell. But verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. I don't know. I'm hoping, think by the quietness of your, you guys, I think I probably made the point. I'm speaking this morning to guilty sinners who've been condemned to die under the law. Is anyone maybe interested in how you might be righteous, right with God, apart from? From the law. Yes? Okay. The title of the message is The Righteousness of God. God capitalized. Today the text is is critical. There's words that I'm going to need to explain to make sure you really get. This is central. This is core to the gospel message. First of all, this word righteousness. What's it mean? It means rightness. It means to be right. And it's used in two ways in our text. And that's why I want to make sure that I don't lose you. Look down with me at verse 25 and 26. Verse 25 says, Whom God set forth as a propitiation, we'll explain that later, by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness. The fact that he's right. He's always right. Because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness 
that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Verse 25 and 26 is talking about God's demonstrated righteousness. The fact that he's proving, he's showing that he's right. The fact that he's always right, that he always acts justly. Let me put it this way. God has achieved righteousness. That's easy enough to understand, okay? But now back up. Look at verses 21 and 22. And you will see the word righteousness, but now it's in a phrase. And it's in a different context. And this is really important. Put your thinking caps on. Make sure you stay with me. The phrase is the righteousness of God. Look at it like it's one concept, okay? Read with me. Matter of fact, I'll stop. And whenever I stop, you guys read the word righteousness of God. Verse 21. But now the apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Track with me here. This is really important. Paul is talking, he's not talking, I should say, about, listen, a condition that you can achieve. The righteousness of God is not a condition you can achieve. It's a commodity that you must receive. I need to say that again. It's not a condition that you can achieve. That's Paul's point over and over again. It's a commodity that you must receive. Paul's saying, look, there's something that's available to you. Paul is saying to all of us that are under the banner of sin, look, your, your own righteousness is woefully inadequate. Isaiah says that man's righteousness is like filthy rags before God. He's actually talking about a menstrual rag. That means on our best day, the, the, the day that you are the most proud of your behavior, it's compared to His righteousness, it's nasty. It's not something to be desired. This is really important to understand this concept. Let me put it this way. For me, I have two choices. I can either rely upon two commodities, let me say, that I could use to try to get into heaven, to buy my way into heaven, if you will. There's Doug's righteousness, and there's God's righteousness. The message from chapter 1, verse 18, all the way to where we are now, Doug's righteousness ain't going to cut it. Not even close. It's a commodity. The title of the message is The Righteousness of Capital Letters, God. God's Righteousness. Does that make sense? It's a commodity that He's offering to you. This is awesome. I have an outline for you if you're interested. Ready? The Righteousness of God is, number one, apart from the law. Can I say, hear an amen? Amen. The righteousness of God is available apart from law. That is really good news. Number two, the righteousness of God is available to lawbreakers. That's good news too. Number three, the righteousness of God is accomplished by the Lord. Not by you. By the Lord, by Him alone. And number four, the righteousness of God, even though it's amnesty for lawbreakers, is absolutely legal. And we'll see how God pulls that off. Okay? Number one, first, the righteousness of God is apart from the law. That is awesome. 
Because it's the law that's mowed us down. The law that threw us under the bus. The law that condemned us, that chewed us up and spit us out. We are all under that banner. Condemned to die. We are all condemned lawbreakers. But Paul says, look, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God, this commodity apart from the law is revealed. Paul says God has figured out a way apart from the law to save us. But just so you know, this is not a new plan. The word uh, where it says revealed, we've seen that word. We saw it back in chapter 1, verse 17. Revealed, that means unveiled. It's the word feneru. And again, it's one of my favorite examples. Right? This is it's the same word that you see for manifest. I'll give you this illustration. Okay, right now. Okay, right now. Is my Bible in the room? Yes. yes. But it's not manifest. It's not revealed. Now it's manifest. Not? Yes. Okay. Can it? Okay. The point is, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, meaning it's always been the plan. It was always part of God's plan. It's not something that God went, oh, boy, they really messed it up. Let me see how I can do this. All From all along, it's been revealed. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. It's being witnessed by the law and the prophets. That's just more of the same, which means law, of the prophets, law and the prophets is a euphemism. It means it's what the Jews would call their, their Bible, the Old Testament. He's speaking of the, the Old Testament. He says, look, you can look throughout the Old Testament and find clues that this righteousness of God was on its way. Um, I, we don't have time to, to give you all of the examples. But what? Abraham and Isaac, right? They're, they're headed up the mountain. God says, what? I want you to give your son your only begotten son. And the mountain, by the way, that they were on, the, the mountain ridge they were on, apparently was the same one that G- Jesus was crucified on. And as Abraham is trying to explain this to Isaac, Isaac's like, well, okay, we have the wood, we have everything we need, but where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide himself the lamb. Not meaning God will, he'll take care of it himself. No, now that, now that we look back, What he means is God himself will be our sacrifice. It's the gospel. You get it? Um, Isaiah 53, talking about his, his being wounded for our transgressions. Psalm 22, all of it, all of the Old Testament is basically uh, hidden, but it's, it's now been revealed that God had a plan to save you apart from the law. Verse 21. Romans 3.21, now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even, it says, the righteousness of God, once again, that commodity of being right with God. Look at this, through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says, this commodity that I'm telling you about comes apart from the law. You're not going to find it by trying to follow the rules. It comes through faith In Jesus Christ. Faith. It means trust. It comes from believing in Jesus. It comes from believing Jesus. It comes from putting all your eggs in Jesus' basket. It comes from believing that He lived to save you. He put on human skin to save you. He died for your sin. He rose again because He's God who He said He was. It comes from admitting that you need a Savior and then just letting Him rescue you. 
We are under the banner of sin. All of humanity is there. Under the banner of perfect, just one individual. Jesus. And this text basically is God saying, Look, I have made a way that you can go stand under the banner with my Son. My righteous, perfect Son. Now this is awesome. So number one, the righteousness of God is apart from the law. But number two, the righteousness of God is available to law breakers. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And here's who can receive that righteousness, that commodity. You guys say the word all with me. To and on who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Three times he uses this word all, which means each and every, anybody. We're in the South. Let me make it personal for you Southerners. The righteousness of God is available to y'all. And to any of y'all who believe. For y'all have sinned. That's what he's saying. All of us, every single one of us has fallen short. You understand how awesome this is? Jesus stands under that banner that says perfect, which is, by the way, what is required to get into heaven and not ruin it. And he says, y'all, come. Whosoever will may come. Stand with me. And here's where it gets hard for some. Some in this room might be thinking right this second, but I'm worse than the rest. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand how unrighteous I am. Jesus says, there's no difference. Y'all have sinned and fallen short. You all fall short. Where it says that fall short of the glory of God, it could mean that he means fall short in giving him glory. And when you think about that, that condemns us right away. Um, if, it, if what he means is giving glory to that, that person who created you, I dare say we probably all sinned when we were worshiping for, for the, the few seconds that we thought about what we had for lunch or this or that. We didn't give him glory. It could mean that. But here's another thing it could be. The glory of God. If you look in the, the Blue Letter Bible, it will say... One of the, the possible uh, versions is this. The opinion or the esteem. Let me put it this way. Jesus says, if he's under that banner, saying to you, look, y'all fall short in God's assessment, in his esteem. You all fall short of being worthy. Let me give you another example. This should make a lot of sense. Let's say there's three guys in a boat. It's in the middle of the ocean. Hundreds of miles away from any land. Three guys. One guy can't swim at all. Boat capsizes. It's gone. That guy lasts about a minute. He drowns. The other guy, he's a pretty decent swimmer. He, he works really hard. He goes about a mile. He lasts about ten minutes. Sinks. Dead. The other guy, though, the third guy, Olympic swimmer. The best in the world. 
Nobody has ever swum like the swim, swam, like this guy. <laughs> Further than anybody else can, he goes 15 miles and drowns. Y'all fall short. Do you get it? God's righteousness is like this ocean. And if you think that you can somehow satisfy God's righteousness with your own, you're just not getting it. Now listen, that's really great news for some people in this room. Because maybe you think you're worse than anyone else here. You think you're beyond God's reach. I have good news and bad news. You're scum. (laughs) But you're scum like the rest of us. You are not beyond His reach. You're not beyond His love. Application. Do you sometimes forget and you buy into the lie that somehow there is a difference? Because it says there is no difference. There's no distinction in God's estimation. In other words, do you sometimes buy into the lie either that you maybe in God's eyes are a little better than the worst sinner? Or on the other side of the coin, that you're somehow worse, that you're too bad, that God could never save you, that He could never forgive you, that He could never forget your sins. If that's you, this is tremendous news. Y'all are sinners. God says, look, you are all sinners, but I've made my righteousness, that commodity, available to you. And now, notice it's the second time that Paul has referenced faith. Verse 22, Paul says, the commodity of God's righteousness comes by, it says, faith in Jesus to all and on all who believe apart from the law. So you got faith and you got the word believe. Do you see the trend here? He's saying simply trust. Simply trust. And that leads to our third point. The righteousness of God is, number one, apart from the law. Number two, it's available to lawbreakers. Number three, it's accomplished by the Lord. Not by you. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith. Now, we're going to dig into these words and explain them. But before we do that, I just want to show you how this, this, both of these verses here, they are bursting with words that say that it's all about God and what He does. And it's not about you. Look at it. Uh, being, it says, justified. That's a God word. We'll see. Freely. Not anything that you deserve. Grace. We see that word all the time. That's a word that He does, not that you do. Redemption. That means to buy back. We're going to see that. Propitiation. We'll explain that in a little bit. And faith. These are all words that say this is God's thing and you can have it if you want it. There's at least three words here that need to be explained. They're religious words. They're words that if you haven't grown up in the church, you're like, what in the world do they mean? And, and for some of us, even if, if you have spent some time, you're like, I forgot. So here we go. The first word is justify. It means to declare righteous, to be made righteous. Not just to declare righteous, but actually to somehow make one righteous. The easiest way I can explain this, and some of you have heard it, when you see that word, think Just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. 
And this is really good news. This means not covering up your sin, not turning a blind eye to it, and not excusing it. But what God does is actual removal of your sin. The removal of your sin and tossing it into the sea of forgetfulness that is as far as the east from the west. There's, he puts it, he doesn't just forgive, he forgets it. This is glorious. This means not just acquitted, but your record is expunged. That means you took the perp walk, right? And Jesus says, come. And when you walk and you stand under the banner with him, it's not like, oh yeah, you did some terrible things and we remember him, but we're, you know, we're going to let you go. No. You end under the banner with Jesus, they're gone. They're not even to be remembered. No one can even find a record of your guilt, just as if I'd never sinned. Verse 24, being justified, then it says freely. This might be my favorite word in these verses. In the Greek, it's dorian. It means undeserved gift. Matter of fact, whenever I say, I'm going to read through some scriptures where the, this word in the Greek is, is the same, okay? Whenever I say the word freely, I want you guys to say undeservedly. Okay? All right. You don't have to follow because I'm going to be all over the place. Re- Revelation 21, 6. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely, undeservedly, to him who thirsts. Revelation 22:17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Undeservedly. Matthew 10, 8, Jesus sending out his disciples says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. He says, Freely you have received. You've received it undeservedly. Freely you've received. Now, freely give. Undeservedly. You've been given all these things now. You give even when someone doesn't deserve it. In case you still don't understand this word, John 15, 25, you can write it down, check me out later. Jesus uses the same word in the Greek, dorian, when he's talking about the Pharisees. And he says, I don't know, he doesn't say this exactly, paraphrasing, problem. But he says, I don't know what what these guys have a problem with me is all about because he goes, um, they hated me without a cause. Same word. There's no discernible reason. Dorian, undeservedly. So, you understand what that means Paul is saying here. The righteousness of God is available to you freely. You don't deserve it. But you can have it. Verse 24, But being justified freely by His, here's another word, grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Grace, it it literally means gift. It's that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, goodwill, loving kindness, favor. It's not only a gift, but it's also a character trait. So this is what I think Paul's saying. Christians are justified just as if they'd never sinned undeservedly only because, listen, of God's sweetness. Because of his loving kindness. It's not because of anything that you have done or could possibly do. It's only because of His graciousness. 
Are you seeing that God's righteousness, that is the righteousness of God, this commodity, the salvation of God is accomplished only by the Lord. It's all Him. It's none, nothing about you. And there's more, verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the, here's another word, redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption, it means to set someone free. To, specifically, to set a slave free by paying a ransom. This is a word, if you were walking down the street by the slave market, you would hear this word. Hey, give me 25. Who will give me 25 to redeem this slave? Is anybody interested in setting this, this slave free? Pay me and it will happen. Now tell me, in that scenario, what does the slave do? Stands there. Hoping. Just praying that someone will redeem him. <laughs> hoping that it is a gracious, loving kindness kind of master. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you were slaves to addiction, lust, pride, worry? You've been set free by way of redemption. That is a price that was paid for you. It was not accomplished by you. It was by the Lord. And what was that price that he paid? Well, look at verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom... God set forth as a propitiation by His blood. There's the price through faith. Word propitiation. Can you guys say that for me? Nice and loud. Propitiation. Propitiation. Gesundheit. <laughs> Sorry. I always have to say that because it's a hard word to explain. Get you guys thinking a little bit here. Let, let me give you what, what, what you'll find in the Blue Letter Bible. Propitiation. Relating to and appeasing or expiating, having placating or expiating force, expiatory, a means of appeasing or expiating, a propitiation. How's that? We good? Okay. Here's what it means. It means a substitute. It's the word that all of the religions used to describe that thing which appeases an angry God, a God whose wrath is is righteous toward you. It's a substitute. See, let me remind you once again, God is a righteous judge, right? And we're going to see more of this as we close, getting close here, but He's a righteous judge. He has to judge sin. If He does not judge sin, He is unrighteous. None of you would want a judge like you want your God. We want our God to be merciful and to let us go free. None of you would want a judge if someone killed your loved one. You wouldn't want the judge to just be like, yeah, just go free. It's not a big deal. You don't want a judge like that. God has to judge sin or he is unrighteous, okay? And the payment, according to the Bible, for sin, for every transgression, is death. That's why, follow with me, this propitiation, it's an animal sacrifice of the, in the Old Testament. That's what it looked like. They would take the ram or the goat or the bull or the lamb and they would kill it. And they would pour out the blood of the lamb, that lamb which had to be without spot or blemish. And they would hope. And God would say, look, I've entered into a covenant. I will look at that blood of that lamb and I will consider it payment 
for your sin. Substitute. A propitiation. I will take that lamb as your substitute. When I see its blood, I will take it as your blood. Because the life is in the blood. Your life is due me. But I will, to be righteous, I figured out a way in the Old Testament to somehow cover your sins with the, the blood of this lamb. See, Paul says, think about this. These, these verses that where we are here this morning. Paul says, y'all are sinners to the core. But now, God has revealed a way for you to be right with God. For anyone who believes, you can be justified just as if you'd never sinned. Freely, that means undeservedly, just because of His graciousness to you. You can be redeemed, that is, set free from sin. Because God set forth, it says, His Son, His one and only precious Son as the Lamb, the substitute. Paul says, this Lamb, Jesus, He hung on the cross instead of you. He allowed His skin to be beaten, torn, ripped, pierced instead of you. He endured the righteous wrath of God in your place. And when the spear went into His side and blood, blood gushed out, God said, propitiation, substitute. From my perspective, when that blood gushed out, God said, I will put that to Doug's account. If you know him, he, you put your name in there. I will put that to Jim's account. Here's a question. Do you believe this? If you believe this, that you are a sinner and that his payment, his righteous life can be a substitute for your life, Guess what? You can say with Paul, this is my gospel. If you believe this, this is your gospel. Don't raise your hand, but let me ask you, is it your gospel? For it to be, you have to come to God and say, yes, I am a sinner. I deserve death. I deserve to stand under that banner. You have to say, God, will you make Jesus my substitute? Because I want to be right with you. God, I want to be in your heaven, but I understand that I can't make it into heaven like I am now. You can do that today. Apart from the law, God's righteousness, it's also available to lawbreakers. It's accomplished by the Lord, Him alone. Last issue. And we'll, we'll go quickly on this. Number four, it's amnesty for lawbreakers. But it's absolutely legal. Or you could say it's amazing love. Or you could say it's our amazing Lord's plan. Okay? Look at verse 23. Let's get a running start. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith, it says, to demonstrate His righteousness. He's achieved righteousness because in His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness. 
that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. If you're like me, your brain's about to pop. So I'm going to try to make this quick. What Paul is referring to, verse 25 and 26, is this problem that we have presented to God by our sin. Pretend for a second that I'm a completely righteous judge. Pretend I'm organized too while you're at it. And you do something terrible. You give me a problem. Do I let you go? Or, or do I remain righteous? Where it says that he might be just, that means right to do all that he does, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We look at verse 26 and like, oh, God's got to choose, I guess. Either he's going to be right and just, or he's going to let you go and be wrong. That's what it looks like. And we, it's, it's, it's a quagmire, it's, it's an enigma. There's no way that we can somehow uh, resolve this. It's amnesty for lawbreakers. But let, me, let me put it a different way. Let's say you open the paper up today and you read, certain judge gives amnesty to all lawbreakers under his jurisdiction. Hello? What's up with that? Wait a second, that, that judge is not righteous, letting them go free. You need to fire that judge. That's the problem that we presented to a righteous God. How can he possibly let me go free and still be righteous? Propitiation. How can he possibly make, remain just and yet make me somehow just as if I'd never sinned? Propitiation. Substitution. Jesus' blood pays for your sin. Jesus' righteousness goes into your account. You get it? It's amnesty for lawbreakers, but it's absolutely legal. You know, people talk about, and you look at this, and it looks like some, some people misunderstanding these verses will go, what you're talking about is a free, cheap grace. No, no, it's not cheap. It's really costly. It costs God the most precious thing to Him. But He does give it freely. It's amnesty for lawbreakers. It's absolutely legal. It's absolutely right. It is our amazing Lord in action. It is amazing love. 